This event was recorded live at the 2011 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Uh, good evening, welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival. I'm Peter Guthridge, I'm a journalist and author and I have been for many years the Observer's crime fiction critic, so I'm very pleased to be uh, been asked to host this event with Kodo Baxi, whose book speaks for it, the title speaks for itself, Steve Larsen, My Friend. Uh, Kodo is a, a, a journalist in Sweden, uh, he's written 10 books himself, he's won the Olaf Palm Peace Prize uh, and he lectures often on immigration and xenophobia. Uh, he wrote this book um, to explain his relationship with Stig Larsen and to give us an insight into his life. Uh, in a moment, he's going to talk about the book. I'm then going to ask him questions, and then you'll be able to ask him questions, and then he'll be signing copies of his book. Helping us out is Alan McNiven, who's a translator, who's hoping he's not going to have too much to do, uh, because <laughs> Kudo speaks very good English. Um, but he's just here to, to help out, so you can ignore him most of the time if you choose to. <laughs> <laughs> Please welcome Kudo Baxi. Thank you. <laughs> Stig Larsson uh, is one of the most interesting persons I, uh, well, I can say he was the best Swedish guy I have ever seen. And I think Sweden will not have see any better guy than this guy. And I think uh, it's very important also to say that if you don't understand my English, so you just interrupt and then we have Mr. Alan here. <laughs> and uh, he's very polite, he's, he's not going to interrupt me very much, but you can do it. Uh, so. Stig Larsson came, many people asked me why he was so good in writing these crime books. The answer is very, very easy. It's not so political as many people believe. It's because, imagine, you live in the north of Sweden. Uh, the, cold, the weather is very, very cold. And the nearest neighbor is living 500 kilometers. To have a cup of coffee, you must pay a lot of gas, benzene, and you have to go away to meet someone. You know, imagine this, this very big, large part of Sweden where you don't have many inhabitants. And the nights in the winter are very, very long. I mean very, very long. And lo the long is not enough to tell you that it is very, very long. <laughs> and what can a 12-year-old boy do on the nights on this cold landscape where he doesn't have money to buy a car or bicycle and to go to a neighbor to have a cup of coffee. He has just one choice. He must write books. <laughs> then he must have a very good father who is working at the cinema, whose name is Erland, and he buys a type machine for him. But Stig Larsson, he was not just a man for the land. He was also a man for the sky. And he likes to study all the stars in the sky. That's why they also buy for him something, I think, telescope in English. Telescope, we can say. They buy a telescope for him. And you know, in um, February, 2nd February 1968, he writes down in a small paper, tonight I have tried to find Uranus. But the result is very bad. We didn't find, me and my friend, Uranus. Uh, so it's also important to know this man who, who is, has many hobbies when he's very young. But then, when he becomes later, uh, elder, the hobbies 
leave or everything, all space for three things. The right that every person, not, imp not important, if it, it doesn't matter, the color of the skin, the sex, or the belief, or something, all the human beings have the same rights. It doesn't matter where they live and how long they will be guests in our planet. The second thing is that he becomes a leftist guy who believes that Trotsky was a very good guy when he is younger, but later he, he leaves the, the Trotskyism. We can say that his political ideology was depends very much uh, of, of his uh, body. When he becomes a little bit fatter, then he becomes a little bit right. <laughs> uh, and then the third thing is that he wanted to be the best journalist. And his biggest dream was to be a good journalist like Mikhail Blomqvist, as you know him. Why? Mikhail Blomqvist, he has a lot of money. Stig Larsson was born in a very, very poor family who didn't have showers in their house when he was born. They have to walk about 50 meters on the night to go to bathroom in the north of Sweden. So it is very important to know how, which uh, poor family he belongs from the beginning. And, uh, that's, and that's Mikael Blomqvist is also the man who has a lot of women around him. <laughs> Erika Berger, she's lovely. <laughs> she has the same smile as Laura Palmer in Twins, what do you say, in Twin Peaks. <laughs> and you have also, of course, Lisbeth Salander. And you have all these girls in the family of Wanger and so on. So the women are very important. But the third thing is that the journalism of Mikael Blomqvist was accepted by the Swedish society. But Stig Larsson's journalism was not accepted by the Swedish society when he was alive. So he, the man could do what he wanted. It, he, he wanted to be a very good journalist, exactly like Mikael Blomqvist. But Stig Larsson was not Mikael Blomqvist, actually, if you read all the three millennium books now. Because Stig Larsson was much more Lisbeth Salander. Why? He smoked a lot of cigarettes, like Lisbeth Salander. He drank a lot of coffee, like Lisbeth Salander. He didn't live more than two years in a house, exactly like Lisbeth Salander. She likes to move around, you know, change the houses all the time. And another thing, Stig Larsson didn't like the authorities, the policemen. We cannot say that Lisbeth Salander loved all the policemen in Sweden. <laughs> I think I can say that it was not like that. So the similarity with Stig Larsson and Lisbeth Salander is very interesting. So that's why this Salander is bisexual. She is not homosexual. She is not the normal on the way of thinking. Because for Stig Larsson was also that he could not let her just be a woman. Because if he, she was a woman, then he would lose a lot of himself in that little girl. So the only way of having that on the right way, it was that to give him, her, these good qualities. But my friend was feminist. But, with the, but in, in one case, he was not so much feminist because all his bad characters he gave to Lisbeth Salander. All his good characters he gave to Mikhail Blomqvist. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, not so justice because this question will be very important many years after his died. And I think he, the, the chairman will some, ask me some questions later. And I will come back to this uh, very difficult question. And for me, it's also that when you read Millennium books, you have to imagine that Stig Larsson was 
planning to make 10 books. And he was very, very pedagogic. He, you can say pedagogic, mm. yes, uh, of planning all these 10 books. He had a program. That's why if you think a little bit, the first book, uh, in English it's the girl with the dragon tattoo, which Stiglarsson would never like. Uh, it is the man who hates the woman. Stiglarsson in the first millennium book shows how the individuals oppress the woman. In the second book, because now he says that in my first book, I have prepared my readers to understand that one man or the, the different man, how they oppress the woman. That's why in the second hand, he comes to, in the second book, he comes to tell us that the organized trafficking groups, how they sell women and how they oppress the woman. So now he says, okay, I have now spoken about the individuals, then the organization, what is left? The state. And he's very, very clever when he, in the third book, the book name is, the, uh, it's very terrible in English, the, the title. The Hornest. The girl who kicked the hornet's nest. The girl, okay. In that book, he show us how the state closed the eyes when the state sees that the women, the, the women are oppressed by the men in the society. So what would be book number four, which is a long uh, tragedy, and I am not allowed to speak so much about book number four. I know that some of you will ask me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. Then, <laughs> then I must give you a Kurdish uh, example for, uh, to, to, to solve this question. Is that, imagine, you go to a restaurant, a very high quality restaurant with very good food. So how the program will see it? You will have first the starter, is the first book millennium. Then you will have the main dish, it's the girl with playing with fire or something in English. And then you have, after, the main dish, you have to eat something, I think in English called for dessert. And this is the millennium book number three. And my book, my Stig Larsson, my friend, this is the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is the coffee. So if you now have eaten all the main dish and everything and the drank the coffee, maybe you will need some cognac. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next question, and I will speak about cognac later. <laughs> but so my, uh, in, my, my, I like to say that he has much more in common with Lisbeth Salander and also that Mikhail Blomqvist, Stig Larsson was very, very jealous of uh, Mikhail Blomqvist. Because when he started to work, he, uh, uh, three, three, three weeks ago, I got a call from a university, Umeå University in Sweden. And they say to me, they ask me if I can speak with the family of Larsson to have a profession, a professor, Professor Schenst, uh, a professorial chair. Professor chair in the name of Stig Larsson for 200,000 pounds. And I got very angry this, that morning when I got the call. Because when Stig Larsson sent his papers to study at the same university, journalism, this university said to, denied him to study. They said that your points are not good. And the 
So you see how the life can be. You ask to, to study, and they don't allow. It. They don't allow. Uh, you are not welcome to study. But now they want to make a lot of money on the name of Stiglarsson. Forty years later, something. So, but this point is very important. But I am on the other side when it was three o'clock, and I usually have my coffee with my friends at the, my office. I said that I am very happy that this university didn't let Stiglarsson study journalism. Because if they let him study, we would never have millennium books today. So suffering is a way of creation. You have to suffer to create very good. This is a very important reason. So he, ha he was always the non-academic guy from the working class who always was sitting a little bit behind me because I was opposed to him. I had always a good family with good money, and I never think about the things. And I have studied. I have done this, you know, academic career and so on. And journalism, I was, I have studied journalism. But he has not done this. But another reason why Stig Larsson wrote this book depends absolutely on his feminism. I think there are four women who have influenced him. Influence, yes. To write this. Let me tell you that the most important person in his life when he was born in 1954, at the 15th of August, because five days, six days ago, it was his birthday. His uh, grandmother, Tekla, the mother of the mother, was the one who, after one year, took care of Stiglarsson. Stiglarsson like Lisbeth Salander, was adapted, we find another point with Lisbeth Salander, by the, the, by the grandfather and mother. And seven years, he was living with grandmother. And grandmother was good in many things, but she gave the love of cigarettes and coffee to Mr. Stiglarsson. <laughs> I don't like that point of the question. <laughs> But except that she was always telling him about the oppressed woman in the north of Sweden who didn't have their rights. And he raised up with these stories, the non-writing stories. And so she became a very important person. When Stig became eight years old and has to go back to mother Vivian and the father Erla, he was crying many days. He said, I like to go back to my real family. It was a, a very setting and he was many day, in the weekends he was again back to the family but suddenly when grandfather and everybody was dead he he felt very very alone and the second thing was that his mother was a social democrat she was a, the most important feminist in the north of sweden during her time she became she was the first lady who created the equality committee in the municipality commune for human rights in the north of Sweden. She, was, uh, she gave the ideology of why the women are oppressed. And of course, the third reason is the girlfriend, Eva Gabrielsson, who also was Trotskyist and leftist and a feminist. She also uh, introduced the, the, this, uh, the, the world of the oppressed woman. But the most important reason, maybe, is what happened in August 1969 in the north of Sweden. 
Stig and a few friends went to a camping place, a camping place, to, uh, with the bicycles, very near the Umeå, the city where he was living. And uh, the friends raped a little girl, 14 years old. And Stig was just standing there and was looking. And he didn't do anything when he saw the friends raping this little girl. Two days later, he saw the same girl on the street. And he uh, walked across to her and said, forgive me, I should help you, but I didn't help you because I was, I don't know, I think he was loyal to his friends. And I think, and you have to know one thing, in the north of Sweden, they have some character they, which is very special. They never forget and they never forgive. Stig Larsson was also like that. That's why also that, Stig, that Lisbeth Salander, she never forgive when you see it in the books. And the girl said, I will never forgive you. You could help me. I will never forgive you. And she just walked away. And the 2,000 pages of the Millennium Trilogy is a long and late answer to this little girl. So I stay here now. Thank you. The, the things you talk about in the book and the things you've just been talking about, including that uh, very horrible incident uh, when he was young, um, is that stuff that he would talk to you about or is that stuff you've gleaned, you've, you've discovered elsewhere? Or was, that, was he quite open about those things? Um, no, actually not. But, you know, Stig, well, I was also the editor uh, and publisher of Stig Larsson before he became famous. So and sometimes he had the terrible ideas. He likes to publish some books which will not sell anything. And uh, I did everything to save money. So one day he came and asked me to publish a book about honor killings in uh, November 2004, 2003. And I said no. And, but Stig was, when he, he decided for something, he, he could not leave you. He just came back. And he, he said one day to me that you must publish this book because it's very personal for me. I want to do something right in my life. And I have se seen this rape. So he told me the story because of just for publishing the books. And uh, of course, I, I published that book. We sold terrible bad. <laughs> 800 copies. And, and, and when he was writing the, the first three of the, of the Millennium uh, Trilogy, was, was, he, um, was he talking to you about that as well? Was he yeah, and, and the plan for the 10? Uh, yeah, because um, we have to know that it's very important to, to, to give you the right uh, details here. Stig started to write, started in 1997. He wrote the first chapter when Mr. Wanger, the old man, gets the painting with the roses and so on from the Australia, as you know. I think everybody has read the books here. Uh, he wrote the first chapter. Then he had Lisbeth Salander, but he didn't have Mikael Blomqvist. So he has, because Lisbeth Salander was the elder version of Pippi Longstocking uh, from Astrid Lindgren. I think many of us here know. But then he has not found. So in 2001, he found Mikael Blomqvist. And then it was very easy. So, in two, so he didn't speak to me so much during the time. But in, from 2001, yes, he was speaking very much about his books. And one thing was very interesting. Stig 
was a very shy, typical Dalai Lama Swedish man from the north of Sweden. But he was boosting very much Skruta. Skruta. Boosting very much for this Millennium Trilogy. And when he spoke about Millennium, I thought he speaks like Dostoevsky or Shakespeare. It was, it was that he, he just left everything. It's, it's very sorry for me to say that it was like that he was living for these books all his life, and he didn't see them be published. Mm. Mm. At the fate of Copernicus or something like that. So when the, when the first one came out over here, the story was that um, that he hadn't actually tried to get any of them published, that in fact he just put them in a drawer. Is that, is that true or not? Was he trying to get no, them published? No, the, the first chapter of, yeah, exactly. But as I told you, in 1997, he wrote the first chapter of the Millennium Book number one. Of course, he put it there. So, so there are some people who like to change the history, but he, but he started in 2001. And of course, uh, this is also, you know, when you write books, uh, many of us know uh, you go to a, you you normally have a publisher or you have well um, you have writers without relations and you have writers with relations you have writers who can have a lunch with the editor you have writers who cannot have a lunch with the editors you know that all of you so he was uh, unknown uh, unknown so uh, he was raised actually in November 2003 uh, but the problem is that it's very easy to speak later. So he sent a version of books to the first publishing house, which was an old friend to me, who never opened the manuscript. And the second time, in June 2004 or something, uh, something in May, well, April 2004, then he sent to another publishing house, uh, the publishing house of a very well-known friend to me, Lisa Marklot. I think you know this is a yeah. Swedish writer. And she was from the north of Sweden, and she was born in the village of the crime books in the north of Sweden. We have 20 kilometers in Sweden where all of the people become, uh, like Osa Larsson and so on, they become uh, crime writers. As I told you <laughs> in the beginning of my story, that when you are 12 years old, you have to ride the, the long, long, very, very long nights. So, uh, so, but I know, which is, I will say, first time in my life here, that he changed during the time the manuscripts. So the manuscript he sent in 2003 and the 2004, they are not exactly the same. So the book number one with, with the family of Wanger, it was ready. But book number two and three was not really, really ready. So the Neustadt who took over in 2004, they helped him to be ready with book number three. So it's also to know that in the book, first book number one, he lost 30% of the manuscript before publishing. In book number two, he lost 15% because he became much more professional in one way. And in book number three, he also lost, he lost not more, he, lost not, he didn't lose anything because he became famous. So we will never know. So, so that's also very interesting how, how the edition. So he was actually denied to be published by two important publishing houses in Sweden. So sometimes the gold comes to you, but you don't know, you don't have the eyes or something. I don't know. So they turned him down, my goodness. And I, um, uh, 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 when he asked me to read these books, 
I said I will not read them. I don't think they are very good. So I am also an editor with a very bad taste. <laughs> but another of his colleagues, and I can't remember what this person's name was, said that, in fact, he wasn't a very good journalist. He wasn't a very good writer. So he, in fact, couldn't have written these books. It must have been his partner, Eva, ever. Uh, yeah, this is also a very, you know, when uh, Stig Larsson, he didn't be, he could not get in the journalist uh, high school or university. So he started at the Swedish news agency, TT, which is BBC here. He said, if I go to this redaction as a graphic boy, uh, you know, you, a graphicer, uh, graphic, designer. graphic designer, after a few years, I will, like Trotskis, get over and change, I will get my real job here. But the years passed, and when he started there, it was a man who called who, uh, with the name Anders Helberry, who didn't like Stig because Stig was very leftist and he was very to the right, uh, right wing person. So they and he became the chief of Stig Larsson. In a, this, and Stig Larsson's redaction in this big redaction was only him. So they were just one person who was working with the graphics at TT. Production editorial team. Editorial team, yes. You understood me, I hope. In this editorial team, he had his own store, you can say. And he was working there. And then later, this man, who 30 years later said that he was not the, the writer, said he, he, he didn't like him. So suddenly, and he was always uh, speaking bad about Stig, even when Stig was alive. And when Stig became an international megastar, the Mozart of the books, then many people who worked with him uh, get angry and they said that he was uh, blind he could not see the letters some people uh, but it's it's a big lie because he was working with the writing all, all his life mm. uh, and so and and so and so and the other but i am very sure that no one helps the larson write his books even Eva, because Eva no. has said that she was a very close collaborator I am very sorry, with but, her but she she has very good quality but not literary uh, I, I think after knowing her 25 years, I, I, have re I have also, I have the possibility to correct her texts in my life. Uh, so so I, I am I'm very sure she didn't help in that way. But of course, as a, a girlfriend or woman or, or what you, wife, you, you give a lot of, uh, you know, this, this is also a very big problem of that. You ask me if Shakespeare, we, after 500 years, we asked each other, did Shakespeare write his own books? I think it was his wife. They, they, they write, I, I, write, I read now in Hong Kong for a few weeks ago that Shakespeare has not written his own books so, or, or his own uh, poem and so on. So, I mean, this will always come. But uh, many, uh, Mr. Alan said to me today that, that the book, when you read this book, also uh, you can see the, a little bit the style of Stig Larsson in this book. I was very happy that he said to me, he's the only one in, in Britain uh, who has <laughs> told me like that. Uh, but I have heard it in other countries. So, so I know because I worked very much with this style. And the other thing is that all uh, the characters of the books, if you look, you have uh, in the book number three, you have the doctor Anders Joransson, Anders who uh, operate uh, Lisbeth Salander uh, in the, the first page of the book number three, okay? So he was one of his best friends. So it's a real man. Kurdo Baxi, in the book number three, that's me, okay? 
and then you have Mr. Svante uh, in the book is also alive. So there is not one friend of Eva Gabrielson in the books. In one way, I am very sure I have seen with own my with my own eyes that she helped. It's about the wonderful, beautiful house, the last house of Lisbeth Salander at Fiskargata 9. You remember this house? It's uh, looking at the Stockholm's best side, Slussen, Gamla Stein, it's very lovely. I, I, every three months I go there and, and take a cup of coffee at that flat. I, I know the owners now, so I go up there and just <laughs> with Italian television teams and so on. And then, uh, so she found that house, which would be very good, because the house has some qualities. When Lisbeth will buy a new house, you remember this scene when, when the man who sells the house says, oh, you, no, I don't have time with you, and so on. So, so, so that in this kind, because she is architect, and she is very good in her job. Uh, so she helped him with um, research. If you see um, when Lisbeth Sanand is at hospital in uh, Salgirenska, in uh, hospital in Gothenburg, or Jotebori, you say? Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Uh, so you see also a Kurdish boy who uh, works at the hospital and try, uh, gives this technical um, equipment to, to Lisbeth Salander so she can come in contact with Mr. Mikhail Blomqvist. He's also one of my friends. So I can say, I helped Mr. Stig Larsson write the books. <laughs> but, but it's also very important to say that 50% of the characters, or uh, the, in the first book, when you have a Gunnar, it's the uh, man who is looking after the houses and so on, he's also the childhood friend and the, the neighbor of Stig Larsson. So 50% of them, the characters almost, I can say that, except this Pesalander, well, I will not say it. I will not say it. Except Mikael Blomqvist, it's not sure that maybe all other characters can be real persons. Okay. Um, Eva can said, be real persons. Eva said in an interview in, in my newspaper with, with a, a colleague of mine that uh -huh. your book was slanderous and should be withdrawn. And I think she's said something similar on Swedish television. What, what, yeah. do, what do you feel about that? Well, I, I am, uh, I don't, I, I have known Eva in 25 years and actually, <laughs> When you lose a very close friend or a very close uh, your your uh, partner, of course you be, you become very angry and so on. And I can see the, the I can see the situation in, in that way that the Swedish legislation doesn't give one Swedish corona to a partner. You have to have child ch ch children with somebody, or you have to be married. So if you want to have a lot of money, so marry with somebody you have sex with. It's the best way because in Sweden, so you don't have any rights. So it's not the it's not Kurdish nation's fault that Swedish legislation is treated on that way that it is. So it means I mean in Spain, for instance, after uh, eight years, it doesn't matter if you are married or not. The, the, you, the partner can have everything when the, partner, the other partner is there. Spain has a, I mean, we speak very terrible about Spain and Italy and oh, these countries are very bad, they are not normal. But actually they have better legislation for the partners than in Scandinavia. There's also a dark side of, of, uh, of it's also the, the bad thing. So, and the other side, when a person loses a very close partner, she always wants to have friends 
to say, where do you stay in a conflict? She asked me, are you with me or are you with them? I am not George Bush. <laughs> because of that, I am not with Iraq, I am not with him. I mean, that's not easy. I said, I am not with you. I am not with the family of Larson. But the father of, and the brother of Stig Larson, they are my friends. I have known them very long time, before Stig dies, many, many years. And I feel, as a member of that family, I like to, I like to be a very good friend to you and to them. And she says like this. Actually, I will say, Stig Larson, before he dies, he said one day to us, to me, to Eva and his father, when I die, if I die one day, I want that you, Mr. Baxi, and the family together will have a cup of coffee. So I know that I can relax very good where I am. But he said it in a very Swedish way, just one cup of coffee, not two. <laughs> so when, when we had the funeral, I did my job. I buy coffee for all of us, 300 persons sitting. I said, this is my important. I, I invited the family and we sit together. There was no problem. So in this conflict, I would be very happy if the conflict started the first day. But no one of us knew how Stig Larsson will be famous and, and then I will come to Edinburgh one day and speak about Stig Larsson or I will be in, in Beijing, in Shanghai, speak about Stig Larsson. I had not imagined it, never in my life. So on this case, she says, you are with me or not with me. So I am very, very sorry over it. But I have also to say, it's, it's my, my life has been very hard. In the first three years, I was with her. I did everything for her, speaking with lawyers, talking to her every night, and get, 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 gave help. To, I, I helped her very, very much. But after three years, I uh, said, I didn't understand. I said, I cannot stop to say hello to the family. I like to say hello to everybody in Sweden. That's my specialty. I make money on saying hi to everybody. <laughs> I will not change my profession. That's my job. And if she says hello to me or not, I say hello to her. So, so I am. Uh, so she. I did a big mistake. I published the the first book about Stig Larsson. And somebody, of course, always when you write the first book, so they believe that you will make a lot of millions of dollars and euros and so and so. But that's not the real life. So they got very angry. So if I wrote the book today. My, my relation with this, many people will be better. But I wrote this book because I, when I decided to write it, I was very afraid that I will forget many memories. So I, I decided to write in the right time. Because when it passed 10 years, 12 years, uh, then you will forget many things. It will not be a very good book. So uh, it's, it's economic reasons are always stronger than the emotional reasons. I mean, she has also said, not just about you, but that, that Stig has been, has been misrepresented quite a lot. For example, that he's this, he was this incredible workaholic who hardly had any sleep. And she says, well, he used to lie on the sofa and watch spaghetti westerns. And if he was up all night, I think I would have noticed as I shared his bed and stuff. What, what do you feel about that? Well, I, I say because, first of all, she's the, the, she, she told me exactly when he was alive that she, he didn't sleep so many hours. And you know, these things are, uh, I think, as I told you, I mean, Stig, actually, he was working with me until 11, 12 o'clock many days on the night. <coughs> and I go home, and he stays. He, he goes at 5 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes he calls, say, I get taxi, I don't have money. And I have to call and, and arrange that. And then 
So also we, we, there are other friends who, who can say how he was living, especially his family. Everybody knows that he never slept very good. It was the biggest problem with him because he drank about 20 coffees a day, smoking cigarettes, 60, 80 cigarettes a day. Uh, and the problem was that Stig Larsson, every, every morning he waked up, he waked up like a citizen of the world. I have duties, I have to help. I have to do something for people. Then suddenly one woman who was, uh, who has left her, her husband and was threatened, uh, and so he, co he tries to get a house for them, giving his money to all these poor people. He had always a lot of people who he likes to help, and right on the evening. So uh, a man with a good conscience never sleep good. Interesting notion. Um, what about the legendary fourth book? Does it exist? Is it on this computer that Eva's got? Th that was his yeah. computer, you think? Uh, the book uh, is, um, I have, uh, the book is about 260 pages at the moment, and it's about 70%. And now Eva says in the BBC that uh, it's not so much and so. And she took the book the day after Stig uh, died. And she showed us, me and the father said, here's it. And we were so occupied with the funeral, so we didn't uh, take a copy. I mean. So the book exists, but not all the book. Uh, I think the rest. So, so do you think it should be published, or do you think it should because it's not complete? Do you think it no, should not? No, I be? am not. I don't think like the family. I don't think like her. I don't think like BBC or anyone. I think this fourth book is perfect to make a, a film, not a book, because if you make a book of that, uh, then you will not respect maybe the style of writing of Stilarson and the inspiration and so on. But it could be. Uh, Perfect film for a Hollywood director with big pocket money, a lot of money. Yeah. Okay, it's a big audience, so thank you for your patience with me. With me. Let's get thank some you. questions from the audience. If you've got a question, stick your hand in the if air. If you are Scottish, Lady you will there. be translated. Yes, that's that. That's that's really why he's sitting there. <laughs> Say always your first name. I'll repeat the question. Sorry. Yeah. Do you know where he was going with the ten, all the ten books? Do you know where? He was go? Do you know where Steve was going with all the ten books? Did you did you know the the arc? Yes. This is a very German question. In Germany, they ask me. I will wait in the last minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I think I have to for the first time we be agree with the Germans. Um, uh, I think it will be, and maybe with the killing of Olof Palme, the, the Prime Minister of Sweden who was killed by some persons, and maybe he was preparing us to that, and it will be much more about anti, it will be about the Nazi groups and so on, you know. I mean, what happened now in Norway, uh, of course, the guy who killed a lot of people there, it would be very interesting for him, I think, Anders Breivik, he will be a very, because he was the man who was following the agenda. So it has happened many things since he died. Uh, so it will, I mean, of course he, I mean, for him it was very, very important to, to know exactly what happened with Olof Palme. There was, it was something he was, it was obsession, uh, obsession? Obsessive. Obsessive, yeah, for him. So maybe the, the book will start, you know also that uh, Mr. Henning Mankel, maybe you know here, 
he also wrote a lot of books of uh, Mr. Valander, as you know. Uh, he said that he will stop, but you know, to, to start to write crime books is like uh, taking uh, nicotine or uh, cocaine. So you never stop. <laughs> so I know, maybe he will not stop. Yeah. Okay, another question? Thank Just you. in the front here? Yeah. Uh, we have uh, a few more uh, men in, this, uh, in, in uh, Scotland. That's fantastic. <laughs> they also go to seminars. The women might not think that. But. Yeah, we have a lot of women <laughs> everywhere, but not so many now. My name is Brian. Right. Uh, after the massacres in Oslo, uh, one or two of the papers in the UK suggested that Scandinavian novelists are, write very dark uh, stories and there's very little any happiness in them. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, since 60s, of course, I mean, I can I can understand, but I told you that the nights are very long and dark in there. <laughs> so I, I, I know that you will ask this question, but it's uh, the dark sides, yeah, because of course uh, if you have read uh, read read uh, Valor uh, books, Valor you say in English, from sixties uh, or uh, always you see, yeah. Because, I mean, a crime book doesn't write so much about happiness and the love and uh, it's another kind of writing. So, of course, I think that the, the, what the hell, branch and genre needs darkness very much. Uh, so, and what is very interesting is that before we had the male writers who were like this, but now we have female uh, women who write very, very much uh, dark things. But also if you look for the uh, British uh, tradition of crime books now, in the last years, uh, after John Le Carré, so you can see a lot of darkness, I think. So I think it's uh, very, very normal. If it's not so dark, we will not read it. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. true. That lady there. Um, Two-part question. First part is, do you think the interpretation of the book into the first film in Swedish was good? And the second part of the question is that Hollywood is going to be making their own version, which personally fills me with horror. How do you feel about that? Oh, the first, I am uh, I'm very pleased with the book number one because uh, it was a lot of uh, sex in the first book <laughs> and it's less sex in the film. Uh, the the music is terrible. The, I don't like this music or all of the films. But I can say you that the, the uh, Hollywood version is actually better than the Swedish film. So I, don't say that I have seen the something of the film, but it's better. I, I can say you. So don't be afraid of this Hollywood this this time. Well, you you so, have you have seen the film, or, or I, you're just I don't you're know. guessing. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I, can, I am not allowed to say. But you can imagine that it's a very good film. <laughs> You're predicting that. <laughs> so I'm planning to go in December to Hollywood and see the, the, the film, so I don't like to destroy my chances today. <laughs> so. Okay, another question. So don't be afraid, take it easy. It will be film, a good film in December. Okay, another question? Another questions? Yes, please. On the front row again. Yeah. My name's Colin. Quick question. Um, I know a lot of writers, crime writers from Sweden, but none from the rest of Scandinavia. Is this a Swedish phenomenon? But Norway is also called 
Ah, Finland. Oh, okay, but uh, I think also in Norway we have the last 10 years uh, Mr. Joe Nesbo, uh, I think, and also from Denmark and from Anna Holt, I think we can say, from Norway or from Denmark, you are from Sweden. Anna Holt, I think she's from Norway. Then you have uh, also some uh, with the difficult names uh, from uh, Iceland. From Iceland, yeah. Dottir, 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 something like this. <laughs> uh, and then you have... Um, but in Finland, they, they hate crime books. So the only countries that cannot sell the books are Finland. <laughs> in China, with, they, they sell a lot. I was in, in, in China. But in, in Korea or Japan or Taipei or so. But in Finland, they don't like Swedish literature and they don't like crime books. So, so, uh, so I am not agree with you. Norway is also they are they are selling very good. They are uh, now uh, John Espo. He has sold over 20 million copies, and he's very popular in France, in the United Kingdom. He's here next States. week for those of you who um, don't know. Yep. We say also that we have now a wind of Stig Larsson. Stig Larsson has other writers to write, to sell very much outside of Sweden. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Another question? Right at the bow, oh, right on the back row. Two or oh, three on the oh. back row. Okay. I was a very popular guy. I didn't know that. <laughs> Hi, my name's Karen. You made reference, well, within the book, there was references to Elizabeth Salander having Asperger syndrome. Would there be any, and you obviously, you said there was similarities between Elizabeth Salander and with Stig Larsson as well. Would you, would you, make any reference to Steve Larson having any learning difficulties himself? Uh, can I do it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't Well, I got it now. He, uh, no, Steve was a... Uh, he didn't like to go to the hospitals. And the last time he was at the hospital, he was 15 years old. And the last time uh, when he was 50, when he died the same day. So uh, he didn't have any autism, he says, she said. Uh, no, but uh, the st story of Lisbeth Salander, I can say like this, that they, um, mm, maybe they, he still, I think he found some documents from a girl who was um, uh, in a clinic in, uh, uh, in uh, St. Lars or something, as they say in the books. And he changed his story. But now uh, I got a letter from somebody who says she is Lisbeth Salander. And I, I, every month I got a letter from a lady who says she is uh, <laughs> Lisbeth Salander. So I visit them many times. I buy flowers, chocolate, but I am disappointed many times. Because <laughs> they are 70 years old and fed and so on. But the one, one, one of them was very interesting. And I met her. And um, maybe, maybe, because she says that uh, they have recorded her uh, life in half an hour in a TV uh, program, so I am now looking for TV programs. So actually, I'm working very hard with this part uh, of the question. So I cannot give you any answer, but Stig Larsson was a very normal guy without any sickness and no everything perfect. A very beautiful man. Okay. Somebody hit me in the middle. Hi, my, my name is Alistair. Um, yeah. Yeah. We have Alison Wavy. Yeah, yeah. Right at the back, sorry, right at the back. Uh, I just wanted to ask about uh, some of the reports in, uh, in the press that they, were, they um, asked about how uh, Larson died um, and that how? it may not have been of natural causes. Yeah. And do you have any views on that? And yeah. This is a very Spanish question. Uh, in Spain, they always <laughs> ask me uh, if he died a normal, he died very normal. It was a heart attack. and. Uh, 
Cross pulse orders, Frank. Cross pulse order in English? Main artery. Main artery. Main artery. And actually, I spoke to him um, uh, one day before, and I was waiting him for seminar. So they are, when somebody becomes very famous, I mean, I, so always people say a lot of things. Uh, and I have also an um, obduction protocol. Uh, problems with your valves and arteries? Huh? Obduction protocol. Uh, the report of how he, I have, I have not published yet, but I have with me. Um, so he died very natural. So I, I'm very, very sure of that. So even Eva Gavrison is agree with me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Lady there. My name is Kukla. Hi. I, hi. Uh, I have an immense frustration because I know that uh, all his characters, whether they are uh, appear on the page for uh, two paragraphs, would have appeared somehow in a future book. And yeah. Lisbeth Salander, she has a twin sister. Yeah, Camilla. Exactly. And I'm sure she would have been very important. Oh, I have. What do you think she, he would have done with this Camilla? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, we can say like this that book number four <laughs> is actually book number five because he didn't like so much book number four. Okay? If you like to know the details about this. Because he was writing like first chapter in the first book, then first chapter in the second book, first chapter in the third book, first chapter in the fourth book, first chapter in the fifth book. So he started the second chapter in the first book, second chapter in the second, and like this. And when he came to the book number four, he didn't like book number four. Yeah. After 12 pages, you know, it's very normal for writers. We don't like it, we just, but maybe in, later I will write something. So he write book number five. And actually, in this book, number five, is, I would say it for the first time in my life, Camilla is a very important person. I cannot lie for you because I know you could lie. <laughs> so she, it will happen something in an island between the United States and Sweden. Maybe in Canada. It, is it likely that, uh, that the publishers are going to get someone else to continue the series in the way that Robert Ludlum for example, died about eight years ago, but his books are still be coming out because they've been written by, <laughs> yeah, by somebody yeah, this else. This is a very British way also because yeah. uh, you have Sherlock Holmes all the time, somebody will write something about Well, and Taggart on the telly, uh, of course. Uh, you know. Mr. Watson, Mr. Watson and so on. Huh? What? Taggart on the television. Yeah, of course, okay. I don't know. I, uh, well, I know from the, as far as there is a conflict, Marcel conflict, huh? oh. between the girlfriend and yeah. the family. So anything I say is just lying for you. I can, but the day when they are agree, then I am sure I can give very good answer to everybody in these questions. But don't forget how you go to a very nice luxury restaurant. Oh yes, we haven't got to the I cognac yet. yet. <laughs> and I, I, and you have to ask me what which which what which book is the cognac? Indeed, my apologies. Which book is the cognac? The book of Eva Gabrielson, because she also gives another things. It's very important to also read that book. Right. I think it will be nice because you read my book and then it will be another book but it's also important to read what she has written. I should not uh, maybe be very positive to my concurrence but it's important to read that book also because I am uh, first of all uh, a friend uh, and a writer and a journalist and uh, so I don't like to drink coffee without cognac. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have time for one more question I think if there is one. Is there one? Did we have more? 
Yes. Yes. A lady there? Yeah. Don't forget your first name. Hi, my name is Morag. And I was wondering what Stieg Larsson's relationships with women were like. Oh, so this is usually the last question everywhere I go. I, I just wonder why I am so unlucky guy. Now, um, the, the, girl, the woman's relation with Stieg Larsson was very good. And the opposite is not my duty to answer. So the woman's relation, I mean, well, I can say, say like this, that in the first, as Stig Larsson, he never saw that a woman was in love or interested by, uh, in her, in him, because he was so ideologically thinking, and actually many times he, he, he um, first of all, he saw the woman like sisters. So uh, sometimes I say, well, this, this woman likes you, Why, how can you not see that? So he said, oh, I don't understand. I don't think so like this. So he was, uh, uh, he didn't, but of course, mm, uh, we can say that Eva Gabrielson was not the only woman in his life. You can't so, stop there. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay a little bit more. <laughs> and, and actually, so, of course, uh, he had some uh, romance here and there. Uh, I know just four of them, not <laughs> You definitely can't stop there. Well, in fact, you have to stop there, because we're out of time, I'm afraid. Um, but don't be, don't be very sad for Stig. He had a good time in his life. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for everything. Kurdo's going to be signing copies of this book uh, next door. Thanks to Alan for, for helping uh, yeah, with translation. Good. Thank you for being such a lively audience. Please thank for a great hour. Kurdo. Thank you. More podcasts, videos, and live recordings of author events can be found at www.edbookfest.co.uk.